0: Observe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 12 of the Observe and Rapport Show. I'm Kyle Brennan, joined as ever by my beautiful co-host, Keith Sullivan. Keith, how are we doing in this new setup today?
1: We're doing pretty good. Um, I like this a lot better, to be honest. It's weird, I and I thought this when I like initially thought of it, I'm like, it, no one ever talks to each other like this, yes, like sitting weird. this way, but it's a popular setup. So yeah, even sometimes when like, uh, like you
0: ever sit at like a picnic table with someone next to you mm-hmm. and try to have a conversation that way. Yes. It's like the same kind of vibe.
1: Yeah. This is where you, this is how you sit when you don't want it. Like you sit next to your wife at dinner. Cause like you talk to the people in front of you. Now we're 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 doing this today. Yeah, but it makes sense. You're talking to them, not to me. Yeah, or them, not to me. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh-huh. I think we're doing good, though. I mean, I, I we'll see if this works. Could this could be a, a wash for all we know?
0: For all we know, we've tried what four different setups.
1: Yeah, you'd think we'd invest in this a little, but. <laughs> hey so far so good no low budget enterprise it's you a low 12 listen,
0: episodes maybe when we get to like 100 we'll start
1: you know and and people will start to smell it on us a little you know when you start throwing too much money at something people go they once once we start pr- you take the piss out of it once keith starts showing that duncan logo outward towards the
0: camera oh, a little geez. bit too much and then people you'll are like know. Oh, oh they're
1: you'll they're, know remember that scene in wayne's world yeah the when, pepsi with here take two of these <laughs> <Yeah>. ah yellow <laughs> tiny different It's so perfect. It
0: is funny, though, watching movies because I because I work in advertising and Mm. I worked at Anheuser-Busch. Like you see the subtle as for me, they're not subtle at all. Mm. When you just see someone holding a Budweiser just like at the very bottom to show the label and they're facing it towards the camera, you're like, oh, sure, they paid for
1: that. Yeah. And like there's that famous instance in Goodfellas with the Marlboro packet. Yep. Being there for the helicopter scene. Apparently that was like a million dollars at least he spent on that or more just to have that making it realistic kind of thing.
0: Yeah. I I always notice those like little things in ads and stuff. Yeah. which Which also in a, in a drinking ad, they never show the person drinking like the beer. Interesting. In any commercial that you see, a Bud Light commercial, Heineken, whatever, they're legally, they're not allowed to show the person
1: drinking beer. But in a movie, they can Really? Why? I don't know. I just realized that, actually. Yeah. I just made that connection. There's so many weird laws, man. People think things are a certain way. I just was listening to another podcast about... Remember Bernie Sanders? I do. Yeah, what happened to him? So, well... Oh, I'm going to tell you. So, he, you know, he's been a politician his whole life, basically. And, like, remember, like, in 2016 election, he was, like... You know, people were like, Bernie, man, Bernie, Bernie, yep. all day, Bumper Bernie. stickers and Yeah, and, and like, even Rogan was like, I'd vote for him. like, And, like, you know, dude, he, he got on Rogan's show, and I listened to the show, and I called my friend, who's, like, a huge capitalist, and he was like, I was like, dude, he makes a lot of sense. And he was like, Keith, remember what we talked about, okay? It doesn't work. Socialism doesn't work, whatever. But my point is, is that RFK was just talking about how, you know, he, he's running and whatever – And the DNC made it the case that if whatever votes he gets in New Hampshire or uh, Ohio or Idaho, one of those states won't count for him, they'll count for Biden instead. And I heard that when he said that, and I was like, what the – how was that – a?" A legal thing to do did someone just get shot with a shotgun outside did you hear that i think uh one of the the power lines just
0: exploded <laughs> I mean, i've heard that before i remember once that yeah. shook my seat i know i was like that that was gunpowder almost listen we're yeah. not we're talking oh that's two that's three. Oh, it sounds just like an asshole driving his car Oh yeah, I hear yeah, the buzzing. Yeah, that's three pops. It's yeah, just, it's probably a
1: fucking Subaru. That was know? yeah, yeah, one of those noise maker machines. Anyway, so I was like, that sounds like bullshit. How was that? How could this be a democracy if they just go? No, any vote you get counts for me. So like he explained it in further detail. Basically, the delegates from the the the, the two delegates from those states will not be allowed to go to the DNC. Con- the, the the convention the democratic like so their votes won't be counted basically and you know when that happened to so RFK was saying they did the same thing to to me that they're doing to Bernie in 2016 and Bernie sued them right he's like this is bullshit you know how can this be a legal thing and the court ruled the judge was like you know he was like you know Bernie was like it's rigged and he's like yeah, it is actually. Yeah, you're right. We they did rig the game against you, but the thing is, is th- it's more like it's a private country club. This kind of organization of Democrats, mm-hmm. like it's not really like it's a political entity. So there's nothing wrong legally with what they're doing. And it made me think of the the George Carlin line: "It's a big club, and you ain't in it." Yeah, like it literally is a big club that you're not in. Forget about me and you. Fucking Bernie's not even in it. You know, it remi- you know, it reminds me of like when... Uh,
0: because all this stuff, whenever someone tries to explain um, how... Oh, no one's
1: listening right now anymore. Yeah, whenever tra- yeah.
0: whenever anyone tries to explain to me how voting works and the House and the Electoral College, my brain just shuts off. <laughs> so it I'm makes like, no sense, that's like, why. One, it's so confusing, and two, even if I did know how it worked, it wouldn't really serve me in any way whatsoever. Because <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like, I don't know. But to me, what you just described sounds like when someone... Like your friend, you go away for the weekend to like an upstate, you know, Airbnb and your friend's like, let's play cards. I'm going to do, mm. we're going to do a card game and everyone's right. like, and like everyone's kind of reluctantly like, all right. And they start explaining the rules and you have no idea what the oh, fuck's going the on. Oh, that's the worst, man. I can't but pay this, attention to that. But the way that. that you just described like the DNC and how and how that works, how it's like kind of rigged, it's almost like when the guy who's telling you the rules of the game you start to be like, Is this guy bullshitting us? Just yeah, so yeah, like, yeah, is he just making up rules on the yes, fly? Yeah. That's kind of what it's like.
1: Right. It, well, that's what it sounded like they did. They were just like, How about we just not let them in the fucking house the, the room? That's <laughs> yeah. all. You guys can't come in. Yeah. Cause we it's a privately owned thing. It's starting to become really uh creepy how uh right a lot of guys were that I heard growing up. Like 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 like, like the World Economic Forum, for example. Like with Larry Fink, the guy from BlackRock, like that's a big club, a billionaire's boys club, they call it, that you just, you're not allowed inside. We have all the money and we're going to decide what goes on, globally speaking, for the next 20 years. We're all going to get together and go, you do this, you do that. And George Carlin also had a great way of putting it where there was, he was on some like, you know, Bill Maher esque kind of show and he was explaining how there's, you know, all these under the table handshakes that go on in this country every day and to get things done. And the other guy who, the opposition to his argument was like, there's no giant conspiracy to rig elections. You're being paranoid. And and Carlin said, you don't need a formal conspiracy when the people involved have like interests. Like they don't even have to talk to each other about what they're going to do because they're what's good for them is what's good for them. And yeah. not good for everybody else. So you don't even need to have a discussion or a meeting for there to be a conspiracy at this point.
0: I mean, there's a reason like all of those, uh, all the comedians who did political kind of um, topics, basically. I mean, uh, Lewis George, Black. George Carlin, Louis Black, Bill Hicks, Bill Maher. There's a reason they're all kind of like cynic, cynical, like, yeah. you know, uh, cranky old men. Sure. You know? Because, I mean, we do this, you cover it enough and you start to realize like there's the freaking skeletons in the closet of yeah. how the machine works and the, machine, the right. fact that we're almost powerless to it. And obviously we, we talked about this earlier. Like, yeah, it's it is the best system. Oh yes. But it's just like, it's a gigantic enterprise yeah. at this point. It's been going on for 300 some years. And it's just like, there's so many things that are just ingrained that you're not going to be able to change. And I think when these comedians delve into it and they make it funny, but it's also <laughs> just like a, Oh shit! Mm-hmm. That, that kind of mm-hmm. leaves that sour taste in your mouth. Well, it's like, all right, not much we can do.
1: Yeah, there used to be something also called the Fairness Act when it came to the media, where they apparently up until Reagan there was a clause in some in the FCC realm of legal, you know, uh, uh, legislation if that's the right way to say that, but like legal legislation, but like in, in that whole world of uh, legal terms, there was like the, the the Fairness Act in that if you're going to cover a topic on the news, a major news media outlet, you have to get the other side of the argument as well. You can't just put one side of the argument forward because that's biased, obviously. So, because I, I, then I started thinking about why is the news so obviously biased depending on what channel you're watching now? Seems like a bunch of bullshit, no? So, What happened was when Reagan became president, he being an actor, a lot of his donors, a lot of the people contributing to his campaign were Hollywood elite people and they, because they knew Reagan, right? They knew old Ronnie and Ronnie owed them a favor. And those guys said, we don't want the Fairness Act to be a thing anymore. So he had to basically get rid of that whole thing. And that's when the media started doing things like, you know, Ben and J-Lo. And like, you know, violence, just like things that catch eyeballs, basically, because it became a business. It wasn't, you know, there used to be guys like, you know, Walter, Walter Cronkite, like what is that guy's name? Walter Walter Cronkite. Cronkite. I knew there was an R in there somewhere, but he was like a very trusted guy. He had integrity. People believed him. They trusted him. Now, you know, people want to, these people get death threats, the anchors of news channels, because they're obviously only talking about one side of an argument and it's, it's not, so like... You know, it's just crazy that they're pulling the strings like there's I mean, they're literally puppets, those people, you know, Matt, Matt Taibbi has a fantastic book on exactly this called Hate Inc. Um, Oh, I've never read it. Oh, it's
0: uh, I I think I have it here. So I can give it to you. Really? You've talked about it. I recommend it it to everyone because I read it during COVID when, you know, the news was very divisive and Mm -hmm. they're covering on important subjects, but you don't really know the full story. You don't you're getting it from different sides and they're they're very just distracting. But the message basically that I got from that book was these companies like CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, they are businesses that are trying to make money, right? Yeah. And the news just covering good stories or covering it unbiased doesn't really make money or or provide shareholder value as they call it. (laughs) So, and the way I always, it was the best metaphor for like how it feels to me now when I do turn on CNN or Fox News, he said, these companies are basically the WWE, Right. Like the, the world wrestling it's like, sure. entertainment, whatever. It's just like Vince McMahon and, and you know John Cena and Triple H. They are trying to entertain you with a purposeful storyline and a plot. Mm-hmm. So like they are... they And the commentators may not necessarily be lying to you. I'm sure there are instances where they have just boldface lied, right? There's, there's plenty of cases of that, actually. But it's more so they are presenting a certain side of the story that is more entertaining to their audience and that will attract their audience base and make them angry and make them be like what did you are you did you see what what, right. what uh, Tucker Carlson said or right. like did you see what you know so and so said you see what the libs are doing right and it gets people enroiled and then they want to keep watching it cuz it's entertainment it is entertainment it's the same way the WWE but at least those fans acknowledge you know that right. it is entertainment right. that the sad news is when you see someone who watches CNN every day and like no i i try. you know they said this and and i you know, I, I've been watching them for years, and they've never steered me wrong. It's like, no, you don't realize mm-hmm. they're just—they're just money-making machines, and they're trying to entertain you. And, yeah. it, and I look at them now with almost like clown noses when I watch them, because yeah. I'm just like, this isn't real news, and it's no. hard to—they're puppets; they're being told what to say, and it's hard now it, nowadays to discern what the hell news is good to read. And even anytime you pick up a newspaper, you're like, you kind of have to ask people, like, oh, is this like a, a well, right it, newspaper I, or a left newspaper? And I never had to ask that before.
1: Right. And I, I think the Fairness Act was put in place to, to to avoid this situation where you have to consciously, as an individual, say, I'm going to look into the other side of this argument. It used to be that they covered both sides of the argument because there it was a law. You you couldn't just go, this is what the Democrats think Dude, of this. Dude, I just you remembered. Know? I'm sorry to cut you off. No, up. no. But now we have to take it upon ourselves. It's bullshit. Uh,
0: it, I, I'm in the Huntington Fire Department. We just had two, like, kind of rescue things, and I won't get into the details just because it's public, but they got covered in the news, these two rescues that we did. One was, like, a, a wildlife rescue. One was a car accident. Were you there, and they wrote about it, and it was— I wasn't there. I wasn't on either of these scenes, but obviously we have, like, a group chat with all the firefighters, and we're posting the links to, like, the Twitter articles and, you know, the local— It's just, This is just local news. It's not national. Mm-hmm. The local news got like four facts totally wrong. Completely wrong. Just they they referenced the wrong fire department. They said the guy, <laughs> they said the driver fled the scene, even though he, he was there. Like, like, sure. My friends witnessed it with their own eyes. They took him out of the vehicle. They're like, what? Th-? So that just made just me bold, think, I'm like, just these, are, these are just two like local news organizations who they really only need to get like five details correct. Because it's like a two paragraph story. Right. And no one's really reading it. I'm like, the fact that they got, like, three facts wrong Mm -hmm. just, like, made me so disheartened. Because I'm like, if they're getting that wrong, what the hell are people getting wrong on a national or global scale?
1: Exactly. And imagine with an incentive for, you know, money and, like, you know, they'll, 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 those, I think the difference is these people might just be not good at, you know, being journalists. Whereas the major news outlets are, they know what they're doing and they don't give a shit. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you used to, you,
0: you used to assume. Used mm-hmm. to
1: assume when you picked up the New York Times, the
0: Wall Street Journal, you're like this journalist who wrote this article was has been vetted. I'm sure they have a
1: rich history. Dude, a philosopher Journalism used right? to write for the New York Times, a yeah. modern day philosopher. like pe- people who thought and had tr- truly like intellectually profound opinions on social issues. Like now, it's just like a hit piece every fucking time. Well, the danger
0: in the same way that a lot of these you know uh, news media conglomerates like CNN and Fox News have gone is. A lot of these newspapers that used to be unbiased, the Washington Post, you know, uh, was it Carl Bernstein and and Bob Wardard, like some of the best like Pulitzer prize winning journalism. Now it's gone a little bit of the same way. Um, Not as bad as the media or the the, like the news media, but Wall Street Journal, New York Times, like you, you start to hire kind of the same person over yeah. and over again right because you you've produced this reputation of being this certain type of newspaper that delivers a certain type of news and as you start making more money from doing it a certain way you're just like oh we're just, i'm just gonna hire right. carbon copies who do the same thing right and i i don't know if this is the truth or i assume this mostly um because you start to see a a clear slant. And also I'm sure a lot of these resumes are coming out of the same Ivy League schools and same backgrounds and they probably have the same internships. So there's not much diversity of thought going on within that. Whereas where I love Substack and stuff is you're getting all these people who aren't afraid and they're not beholden to a major corporation to say something a little bit controversial Mm -hmm. and something that might piss people off, but they've done the research and they're like, you know what? I'm gonna go out on a limb, mm-hmm. and I've done my research, and like this is a con- like contentious thing, but I don't have a boss telling me not to publish this because of the sponsors, you know? Right. So that's why I think the like the free press by uh, Barry Weinstein is really good, and a lot of Matt Taibbi, the guy I referenced who wrote hate Dink is on Substack. A lot of these Substack. Gl- There's green- also Greenwald a book or-
1: called The Unfreedom of the Press. I forgot the name of the author. I'll write it in the du- in the in the show notes, but. In this in this book, this guy just starts off with, you know, he's like, okay, this guy from this news outlet and this guy from this news outlet and this politician, you ever notice how they all have the same last name? And you're like, that's like the first sentence. And you're like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> and then you and then, dude, you start to realize, like, they're all related politicians, news anchors. CEOs of news corporations they're all they all they're, they're they're sitting at Thanksgiving dinner dinner together some of these people. Well, I mean look at the Cuomo brothers. The that's, Cuomo uh, brothers that's... is a great example. Dude, remember during COVID when Cuomo was getting a little heat and they just had his own brother like grill him about it. Yeah. Like what do you think he's going to he's going to, you know, make his brother look like an asshole? And no. you know what? That was when you I know? Re-
0: and even me re- who knows all this stuff I'm watching it because I'm like, oh, this will be entertaining. Two brothers going at it on yeah, the news. maybe because,
1: like, you know, you have a brother. Like, you you guys give and each other like, shit, you and know? A
0: part of me was like, oh, this is funny, and I'm watching this. And then the other part of me was like, wait, what the fuck? This is a clear conflict of interest. Right. Like, you can you know have- used to
1: get me to? Remember when, like, this started to happen with opinion? You know, Donald Trump uh, is a Nazi. And I'm like, you know, it's just like... It's just like, it's not even about you Donald, You saying Donald Trump is a Nazi. It's not that. It's just that you're a news organization. Why do you have an opinion? Shouldn't you just be reporting what happened and what the facts are? Yeah, well, What's with the opinions? the opinions all of a sudden? S- the opinion section used to be a little sliver yes. column, right? And
0: I like reading the opinions because that's where you get to... See either a reader or an outside source just offer something that's totally unique or different. You, you know,
1: this is like a this is just an but opi- now yeah. like
0: uh, if you go to New York Times, like the opinion section is actually like front and center. Front like, center, it's on the right side, but there's like ten opinion articles right when you go to right. the homepage, and they're all you know and controversial, all click, clickbaity and titles. Click-baity titles. Like, yeah,
1: and. Half the time you click them and the story literally has nothing to even do with the title in a way. They'll mention it like in passing in a paragraph. But the rest of the story is not even about that. It just got you to, you know, clickbait. You know what my favorite thing, and I don't know know if
0: every newspaper does this, but Newsday, the Long Island newspaper, um, they do a section in the middle of the, it's on Sunday. They'll do a section in the middle that is um, readers like email submission reaction to the biggest articles of that week. That's interesting. So you'll get, like, let's say the biggest article of the week was, you know, um, some politician was in a scandal. And then when you flip over to the middle that Sunday, it'll be five different reader opinions on either the, the article itself or the coverage of it. Uh-huh. So you'll get people who like, who are like that coverage and this journalist did a great job. Blah, blah, blah. And then you get another person like this was clearly slanted, right. you know, this is bullshit. I was there and I knew who it this happened. And then you get another person. I was an employee of that politician. And here's my, and like that to me is more news than, than the article, than the itself. article itself. And yeah. that's why I have a lot of faith in crowdsourcing, which is why sites like Reddit that get a bad rap or Twitter even, um, and there are reasons obviously not to trust those, but you have to do kind of your own vetting in mm-hmm. a sense. But I, 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 almost prefer hearing from multiple public sources and you get, you get obviously people who are crazy, you get people who are reasonable right. and then you get everything in between, but you start to form your own judgment of what happened based, based on, on all of the assessments. Yeah. Which yeah. is why I'm a big fan of crowdsourcing. I agree. Um, it's like Wikipedia almost like, yeah, you're going to get some shit wrong and you're going to get people fucking around every mm-hmm, now and then. But mm-hmm. generally it points to the right information right start to get a clear
1: picture of things also going back to because this this all just comes back to this fairness act thing like again this was put in place so that we didn't have to do all this extra work as people who just consume news like there was always the other side of the argument and like it's just interesting that in the 80s there was that whole you know giant like we've talked about mass hysteria on this show there was this giant hysteria about these underground satanic tunnels did you ever hear about this, that in the 80s there was this big fear? Was that in, re- in relation to uh, the Son of Sam? I don't think so. Oh. I think this was just an elementary school rumor that got out of control. And like people were truly genuinely concerned that during school hours, teachers were taking their kids underground through tunnels to go do like satanic rituals. And it was this completely, absolutely not true thing. And it got a lot of news attention, though. So between Ronald Reagan and the Hollywood guys that he owed a favor to, the Christian radio stations at the time didn't want to have to, you know, also, put forth the atheistic take on a situation because of the Fairness Act. Mm. So, they got on board too. And, like, you know, there's a Bible belt in this country. So, there was a lot of push for, like, we don't want, we just want to talk about Jesus and God. The country needs it right now. There's this giant hysteria about satanic rituals going on at schools. So, between that and the other thing, they just got rid of it. And ever since then, it's just been WWE for the news. Like, it, it, it's just interesting to know that it wasn't always like that. And people always go, you know, like this, pl- the country used to be so, politics didn't used to be so divisive. What happened? I think that's what happened. Yeah. Because ever since, this was in 88, I think, or 80, I forget which, whatever, it was in the 80s, late 80s. And, you know, if you can imagine, it takes like a few years to get rolling. And ever since then, dude, it's just been a very divisive, like people who disagree with you, you want to kill them kind of vibe. I mean, we don't because we have the thought to, 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 you know, kind of dig deeper into issues. But the average person doesn't have time and doesn't give a shit, honestly, enough to dig into the other side of the argument. So, yeah, we need something like that back, no? Yeah, I agree. I I don't don't know what the right answer is, but I know like now everything's already bought and sold it's like how can you even right there's a lot of
0: uh, volatile opinions on like elon musk buying twitter and i buying have, x buying x sorry I, I don't know enough about i haven't done my research necessarily to know what the pros and cons are but in my world the advertising world a lot of advertisers are pulling budget off of x because of his ownership uh, and things that he said in the past but I mean, in my opinion, and this could not age well for whatever unfolds in the next five years, but my opinion, it's a very valuable thing that he's trying to do at X. Or yeah, because it's he's, like a Fairness Act kind of thing. Because he's yeah. not just going to like unwieldy let hate speech and all this shit just go crazy mm-hmm. i think he's just loosening the reins of what twitter had in place which was like literally letting the government dictate whose accounts they deleted Look, the, which the, the is cats the cats out of the bag they unconstitutional thing they the did that you know yeah. i mean they really did yeah and i know like i think the people are trying to sue the government for that because i mean that's just pretty clear textbook yeah. you know, violation of the constitution but I mean, yeah, I mean, it could go bad ways, and I think that's always the argument about free speech and letting it just go unadulterated, because there is that messy period where, yeah, bad shit's glass is going to get broken, you know, shit's going to get weird, but... In the long run, mm-hmm. you get more transparency into how things happen, you right? you need... Look, I mean, look, the first Go thing... On. Sorry, the first no, thing no. Elon Musk did when he bought Twitter, he released the emails between the government and Twitter right. employees. Like, that transparency is so important mm-hmm. to, because now the public can get a, like, they can kind of make their own judgment on, like, yes. all right, is that right or wrong? Right. And, like, they let the evidence sort of do the work where... You don't necessarily need a journalist to cover that. It's just like, all no. right,
1: form your own judgment on that. What do you think? Exactly. Yeah. And now that's the, it's, it's caused so much thing. It's, called, it's caused so much issues because, you know, there's all those people like, are you a journalist? Do you know how to report on things? Like, and it's like, you know, first of all, like I, I've said a hundred times already on this episode, you didn't used to have to do that. But now you don't have a choice. And, you know, it's up to you now. So, like, you can't just hear what you hear through the TV and just accept it. You know, you have to understand that, first of all, you used to hear the other side of the argument, and there is always another side to any argument. So you have to investigate for yourself these days, which, you know, sucks, but at least we all have computers in our pockets. You can do that. And to your point, though, about, um, you know, what you were just saying about Twitter, you need free speech because, and the liberals should understand that as much as a, a Nazi should understand that because... It's like you're telling a kid to just shut their mouth and don't talk about what happened to them today. or Because when a kid opens its mouth, even though it doesn't really know what it's saying, it's very stumbly with its words, they might tell you, like, uh, my teacher hit me today or something, and you go, huh? Like, people need to be able to talk, and they shouldn't yeah. be afraid to talk. That's, actually because, a listen, real, that's a
0: good analogy. You know actually. what I mean? Yeah. Like,
1: you can't just – because things that are going on – that you otherwise would not know about, like, you get to know about them now. Free speech, I mean, you're muzzling the, the collective voice of our species at that point. Even if it's just one person or one side of the, you know, of, of a political issue. It's like, you know, this country has always been about progression. Getting to the next thing, right? Like we are always trying to make room for someone at the table who doesn't have a seat. Mm-hmm. That's what we do in this country ever mm-hmm. since the beginning. Yeah. Ever since the beginning, yeah. People always go, you know, black people weren't in, they weren't included in the Constitution. They were only one third of a person. And it's like, look, the forefathers understood that this is going to take a long time. You can't just snap your fingers and everybody accepts black people as you know just as equal as everybody else. Like it was a different time, and the fact that they had the foresight. To know eventually things will get to a better place. That's what makes this country different than anywhere else. Everywhere else, they just go fuck you. You're not allowed. Right. You can't sit here. Done. Or you're in, or you're in jail because you're gay or whatever it is. And that's why I'm thinking these days about like the trans issues and all that stuff with sports and stuff. It's very complicated stuff, right? And I I'm, I'm I fear that like one day, 50 years from now, there will be a mentality about the backlash to all of that. Like, can you imagine they never used to let people, trans women compete with other, you know, women? Like, can you imagine that? And, but I think the point is, is that no matter how complicated the issue is, which this issue is extremely complicated, it's America's job to figure out how we're going to make it work. Right. We're going to find a seat.
0: That's a good point. You know what I mean?
1: And yeah, it, it, sometimes it, it bothers me because it seems like
0: we're, when i say we i mean like the, the collective we of the public and just like you go to a
1: barbecue i feel like the trans topic just always comes up it always comes and I'm up like frank because it's a re- and that's and let me just say something i think that that's because yes the news pushes it because it's a divisive issue but also it's really happening yeah it re- it it's it, i see i've met i went to a wedding the other day there were trans people at the wedding like people are trans it's like people being like you know like back in the day people would be like you know about gay people same thing it's like dude pe- these people exist and they're very different mm-hmm. and, and they're intricate and they you know it depends on you know the the, the person everybody's different you ha- but in this country we we try to make it work for everybody go ahead what were you saying no
0: yeah i mean i think you you nailed the point of we try to make it work for everyone and i think it just takes while, time. It, while it bothers people and yeah you know 60 years ago gay people bothered people too Right, But I think you're right. The reason we talk about it so much is because that's almost that, it's that collective, you know, us trying to figure it out. And we're trying like, to figure right? it out. We're like, is this morally wrong? Is this scientifically wrong? Is this just wrong uh, just because of my beliefs? And right. Like, what do we do? Like, how do we figure this out? And I think it's really cool when you take a step back and look at it from a broader view mm-hmm. of like, what is this going to, what are the conversations we're having now going to look like in 15, 20, 25 years? Exactly. And sometimes I may have talked about this with you on this podcast before, but one thing I like to think of or frame that I like to judge certain decisions on when it comes to these strange issues, whether morally or politically is what, what would me 10 years ago have thought about this? And what would me 10 years from now think about this? Mm -hmm. And obviously you'll never know what 10 years from now you'll think about it, but you kind of can see, like you said, this country's always trying to progress. That's right? the so point. we're always trying to get better and it's messy because it's this uh, it's this kind of delicate dance between chaos on the outside and order on the inside yes but you need that kind of tension back and forth all the time and mm-hmm. it takes might take 10 years right you eventually kind of figure out a decent enough solution yeah. and that's why I think of looking at 10 years from now I think 10 years from now um, the people who may have had certain hardline opinions on trans will have probably changed their minds. I agree. So I don't know how those people are going to get there, myself included, but I know it's probably going to trend that way. So I like to keep that open mind of, all right, maybe I don't agree with this now, or I think it's weird, or I have certain hard opinions on it. I'm going to hold those loosely because I know in 10 years or in 20 years, um, I'm not gonna want to have to do an awkward flip flop. I'd rather just say, you know what? I was always a little bit open to this idea, and maybe I had some opinions about it, and I was willing to speak those. But I don't hold them hard enough that Mm -hmm. I'm gonna be a bitter old man who no still hates. You have to
1: remain open minded. You know, there's we talked about the immortality key last episode, and you know that that got me looking back into the great thinkers, Plato. Uh, Socrates, those two guys only. But yeah, specifically Aristotle them among, Aristotle. Aristotle, the absolutely. The, you know, trio. I, I just meant those were the only two guys I looked into because Socrates was Plato's uh, teacher. And Socrates didn't write anything down, but Plato sure as shit did. So I was, you know, he has his famous The Republics, the Republic rather. And in that book, he talks about issues at that time in the voice of Socrates because he knew him better than anybody. But Plato has a very interesting. I guess, um, uh, metaphorical story that he's come up with called The Allegory of the Cave. Oh, yeah. You know it. Everyone yeah. knows it. We I learned took, about I it in took, high I school. Took philosophy 101 in yeah, college. Yeah, dude, first exactly. Thing we you, learned about. you learn about it in school. And it's, and it's literally this in the sense of like the story talks about prisoners that are in a cave. And they've been there their whole lives, and they're chained to a wall, and their motion is restricted. And they're staring at a wall, and behind them is a very kind of dim flame that lights up the cave just a little bit. And every once in a while, a guard will come by and put a shape in front of the fire, so it makes a shape on the wall. And the prisoners, over time, got to know these shapes, and they gave them names, and they, you know, they made up stories about them. Because it's all they ever knew, right? One day, one of the prisoners' shackles gets He gets them undone somehow and he escapes the cave. First thing that happens, he walks out of the cave and the sunlight blinds him almost because it's so bright, overwhelming. But eventually he gets used to it, starts walking around. He starts seeing shapes like the shapes he knew in the cave, but it's a real bird now or a real dog or whatever. And he's realizing he's having this revelation of like all these other things that can also exist and he can't believe it. And, you know, he's all excited and he's enlightened and fulfilled with it and he he goes, I got to go back to the prison and the prisoner, the cave and tell the prisoners about this revelation. He gets down there. It's so dark, though, and it, it, it disorients him and the shadows that used to be familiar to him. He can no longer discern on the wall. So to the people in the cave, he seems like he doesn't know anything and He's all discombobulated and they're like, why would we trust you? You you don't even know about these shapes Like why would we listen to you mm. when in reality? He just knows so much more now from escaping this little cave of thought and experience and the moral is some most people take solace in their ignorance and They'll even be hostile towards those who threaten that right and like that's what's going on now in a way with the trans issues with the with the with the progressive issues in general it's always been that way these people who are in the cave and just make fun of anybody else who says anything than what other what's going on obviously right in front of them on the wall they're not open minded enough you have to remain open minded to these things because well that's basically the end of it but with the issue on trans people in sports you know the very fact that we had you know we have women's um, sports and men's sports that was never a thing a few decades ago there was no women's sports it was just men play sports right. the fact that we have women's yeah, sports shows that we eventually find a way to make everybody happy right right so eventually there's gonna be a, and i'm not saying that there should be a separate you know whole league or organization for transports i'm not saying that either i don't know what the solution is yet but we're gonna figure it out you know it's like that the woman who that famous woman I forgot her name who was running the Ma- Boston Marathon and she was getting like tackled and thrown to the ground because she women weren't allowed to run the Boston Marathon right, at yeah. the time. Now, you know, now you get like paraplegics running the marathon, Exactly. <laughs> like, the special yeah. Olympics like we yeah. figure out a seat. Yeah, Everyone gets is, a seat. It's beautiful. It is. It's that's, cool. that's why you can't hate this place, but also the left always has to kind of hate this place because they have to have a problem a, with and it. we need that and we need that and we need uh, what's the there's the another
0: allegory of the, the eagle no it's the fence oh, you heard about this no it's um, about you know the right and the left basically so imagine you're walking in a field a wide open field you know nothing there it's unexplored no one owns the property mm-hmm. and you stumble upon a fence and the person on you Up know there I can see The, it. the person um, who's a Democrat on the left says, uh, "I think we should tear down this fence. We don't know who put this here. You know they're probably dead. We don't know what's going on. I think we just tear down the fence and keep going and see what, what else is on there." The Republican or the person on the right comes and says, "Well, maybe there's a reason there's a right. fence here, right? So maybe let's let's leave it there until we know exactly what what happens." And I, it's a beautiful metaphor because it's like, yeah, they're both right. Yes, they're both right. Right. You know, but there's just two very different approaches to things. One is kind of more like, let's change things, let's let's innovate, let's keep going, let's progress, and Mm -hmm. you need that. And then you also need the the kind of the older brother. I I like to think of Republicans as almost like the older brother. That's like no fun, but like they're like, well, hold on, let's let's be smart about this. Let's be rational. You know, let's go back to our roots here, Mm -hmm. and like let's really. You know, just think through this, and that's a pain in the ass sometimes too. But you need—it's like a, a older and little brother, mm-hmm. and they're constantly just, uh, just. Well, that's the romantic
1: fights. dance of America, right? I mean, that's the waltz of it. That's the, in every other country. That's what they're missing. You know, they're they're missing that.
0: But you know what the problem? Wonderful is that, formula. And you just touched on this, which is you need
1: to be open minded. The shame to me
0: is that the people who are the most open minded almost don't have enough strong opinions that they vote Mm -hmm. either hard right or hard left because they don't like either candidate (laughs) because they're so open-minded they're like well i don't like well there's
1: nihilists
0: there's anarchists right and they're They're, like i don't like either side and it's a shame because like that could potentially be the smartest most rational group amongst that could be the 80 percent and then you're only getting 20% and mm-hmm. then tens voting red tens blo- voting blue. And then the other 80% is kind of left being like, well, I'm open-minded enough that I think the guy on the right is too extreme. And the guy on the left is too extreme. So mm-hmm. can we get something for us in here? That's but, and that, I think that's the shame is you really never going to get someone who is extremely open-minded because what gets votes and what gets people stirred up is kind of like these strong held you know policies or beliefs mm. that get people going. You're not going to get someone to go. Well, let's you know maybe tear half the fence yeah, and yeah, you yeah. know
1: leave the other and and yeah. Well, that's <laughs> the thing. Social change it it happens in social settings. Like you know the president is kind of a dumb job in that sense. Like he can't really do anything actually with regards to changing. And you know I think that I really believe that there if there if any if there ever was a conspiracy, I believe that the forefathers made one when they made. The rules of the Constitution, in that, like, it's like the illusion of freedom Ben Franklin always talked about giving people the illusion of freedom. And I don't think he meant that as it, as like we're all slaves, realistically speaking. I think that he meant. You got to give them a vote every four years. You got to give them, you know, departments to work in politically. You got to give them this idea that we're pushing towards this right versus left kind of narrative. And like, we're going to figure out which one's best at the time. But realistically, social change takes decades, not four years, you know? And like, that's why presidents go in and they never really get anything done that they wanted to. They just kind of make a small little inch turn that way. And then we eventually, over the course of the years, find our way to wherever we were going to get.
0: You know, what do you think is like the quickest social change that we've seen in our lifetime? Because the fact that we have social media and smartphones and we have so much transparency that our parents' generation or the generation before us didn't have at all. Mm -hmm. So I feel like social change, and where a lot of the divisiveness is also coming from is the fact that social change is happening so much quicker
1: than it used to. Yeah, it's sped up. And maybe
0: it's not happening quicker, but it feels like the pressure to do it is Mm -hmm. because you're getting inundated with social media. And I think that's more what drives a lot of this divisiveness is because you're getting the older generation that's like whoa 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 like this i will be honest with you man i i
1: I saw um a man the other to answer your question i saw a man the other day in a suit just rolling a blunt on a fucking bench (laughs) in new york city and i'm like man that just four three two years ago that was no, not three years ago. That was like, just look at this fucking guy. He yeah. you don't give a
0: fuck. I had someone I was sitting out outside. But dude,
1: I mean, it's it's totally, totally okay. Totally okay. You know,
0: I had someone sit. I was sitting outside at a bar, and, and the lady was like, "Oh, do you mind if I like spark up out here?" And we were like, "I mean, one, you're not going to say no."
1: Of course not. <laughs> well, we we both indulge. i mean right? I, I mean, mean <laughs> the smell of it, I will say, Ugh.
0: can get annoying. Um, I mean. A, a well, some of this shit is skunk now. Yeah, like yeah. it smells bad. I mean, there almost. are some places in yeah. the city where you're like, all right, this is a bit obnoxious. Yeah, you know, but um,
1: but that's what I mean. Like, this woman was literally. I mean, this guy was literally in like Zuccotti Park, which is like you know, there's kids around and all this shit, and people are eating lunch, and this guy's just got a fatty, and he's got like a briefcase. Yeah, like that is so crazy that that's totally normal now. I'll actually say the opposite. The
0: the surprising one of social change in the other way was cigarettes in our lifetime. Oh. You can't
1: smoke no like more. when we were. You can't smoke. Probably cigarettes.
0: when we were under the age of ten, so still in the nineties. Like smoking was pretty rampant. Absolutely. Like I mean, you had. I remember going to Applebee's and there was a smoking and non-smoking yep. section. Mm-hmm. I don't really remember being on flights early, young enough. I don't that, remember that either. But apparently, when I was a kid, there was smoking sections. Yeah, but that I mean, in twenty years, like you can't. I don't, I don't know anyone who can really you imagine if you cigarettes. started smoking right now. Like people would go, "What are you doing, you fucking but idiot?" What's interesting is the the tobacco companies are still. Figuring out ways to you know e-cigarettes and sure, the, the sure, nicotine yeah, pouches course. and they they just know yeah. and these kids get hooked man like yeah man. some of my friends on, I just
1: I just had another uh, reprisal jewel? of my of my addiction to to vaping really because yeah. it was it was just on the table at work the break table it was like a communal vape and I like ah oh, let me I haven't done this in years and I like, dude I swear to God I was like about to buy one and I was like yo I can't let it's, this happen it's scare I, I had like the a nicotine little, hit. Oh, it's, it's, so, it's so potent and one, quick. Of, the quick,
0: one of the quickest you know? uh, lessons in how addictive something can be. Because really? Because I, I got on the Zen train for a little bit oh, as well. Dude. My
1: coworker dude. Which he I thought was gross all day. I thought it was gross because <laughs> I, I
0: equated it to like skull, like dipping, like yeah, it's, gross it, that's how I think leaf of it. and whatever. But nicotine is like these little, you know, pouches and it's just nicotine. It's not tobacco. Yeah. And you get that and you get a nice little head rush yeah. for like 15, 20 minutes. Sure. And I was like, You're more focused, you talk better. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, this is nice. And then, you know. I bought, buy my own tin and then, See? you know, that leads to like buying another one the next week. And then all of a sudden and they I was taste like, like well, vanilla, right? They're very, you can get any flavor you good. want. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, after like a month, I'm like, wait, I've done this every day for mm-hmm. a month and I didn't even want to. Yeah. And I'm like, I want to stop. And then the first day, you know, I'm craving it and I'm like, shit, like this is so addicting and I didn't it even, is. I didn't even intend to do it. It's crazy.
1: I think another social change that happened v- rapidly, like and it's not it's not so specific as you know vaping or smoking weed or anything like that, but it's this mentality towards mental health and being honest about your emotions. I mean, where was this subject change? <laughs> no, I'm I'm saying this is another social oh, okay. you know progression oh, oh, that happened yeah, that out of nowhere. Forgot it's just totally <laughs> yeah. okay to be a hundred percent vulnerable and cry in front of like a bunch of men, and they'll they'll just give you a group hug. And not make fun of you, maybe behind your back, but that's normal. People make fun of you behind. Yeah, your back. And, I, and I think that you know? overall, that trend is definitely made mostly positive. One hundred percent,
0: right? You, yeah. you get athletes kind of talking about their mental health, and like mm-hmm. you see some of these documentaries, man, of like what professional athletes or musicians go through, and you you get a peek behind the curtain of like one little criticism from a fan. Oh, dude, it can just be so mean and just ruin your mm-hmm. your year, like. Mm-hmm. And you you start to feel for these athletes where you saw, you used to be like, oh, boo-hoo, you're getting paid millions of dollars. Right, right, right. And then you see kind of like their actual experience and you hear about it and they talk about it and you're like, oh, shit, that's actually very legitimate. And Mm -hmm. I could not imagine that pressure of like being in public and just having people criticize me and like call me names and throw shit at me and, you know, say I'm making
1: too much money, like.
0: Can you imagine like just walking to work through your lobby yeah, that's and what it people is. just like yelling at you? I think you that's all what the,
1: you're actually hitting on. Like what I'm trying to pinpoint here is this awareness that no matter who you are, you're just a person. Yeah. Like the Pope, you know, there's that, there's that kid's book, everybody, everybody poops. I don't know if you've ever read that book. I sure have. But the, you know, the Pope, Beyonce, Derek Jeter, you, everybody takes a shit, everybody. Mm-hmm. And that mentality has kind of like, and that's a very, funny way of putting it but like that's a new social progression that like like you know men men don't cry you don't cry like but now i'll cry right now i, don't I mean yeah fuck. even think about the couple episodes ago me
0: talking about going to therapy yeah like, 10 it's years just ago t- that's
1: that no that's that's 10 years definitely ago one. not only would i never have even people think people would go what are you crazy yeah exactly
0: <laughs> and also you know it's another one too is even just like it's even just like doing things that uh, like in the nineties or when we were kids were either called like feminine or just like you called them gay. Yeah. Right. Like
1: he's yo- making a reprise. Like by when the I was way, in, but- when
0: I was in high school, I started going to yoga and I didn't tell anyone because oh, I was like embarrassed. I, I would have made like, fun of you. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> I'm, you know what? I was like, I was like, I want to tell people about this because I feel great. Like yeah. I'm stretching. My body feels so strong. Right. Like, it's so, I, yeah, it has some of that weird culture incorporated with it, but I wanted to tell people and I was like, right. I can't because I'm a man and I'm a football player right. and like I'm supposed to be well, a weightlifter and like, exactly. I can't tell people. And now like every like dads are, and uncles who mm-hmm. s- used to smoke cigarettes are now yeah. like, yeah, I'm doing yoga. And I'm like, sure. what?
1: yeah, I'm, I'm like Buddhist now. Like people <laughs> yeah. talk about that. Like, yeah. I mean, um, what was I just going to say? You just triggered this memory of mine of, um, Oh, yeah, like like being queer, for example. Like, that used to be an insult. Yeah. And now there's queer studies departments at universities. Yeah, Like, that used to be a bad thing to call somebody. And that just flipped on a dime. Like, you can, being queer is, I don't really know what it is, but, like, I think that's the point, right? Yeah. Like, you can just be confused I think and it's with, okay.
0: Yeah, and I think with most of these social movements, when you say it takes, like, 10 years to change, what you typically see is it takes, like, six years and it goes a little too far. Yeah. It go, you know, like and if there's it, a weird If here's here where it should stop, it yeah. goes like, you know, <laughs> 10, 20% more. Yeah. And then people get like, yo, yo, yeah, yo, yeah, you got to chill yeah, with that, yeah, yeah. right? Stop and you, then it settles into the, yeah, you like, know, stop talking about your trauma, you know? Mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that is when you start to see it, it takes another well, four, three or four years for that to rebound
1: back sure. to center. You it's know? like when 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 fitness podcasts blew up and everybody was talking about their gut biome yeah, yeah. ratio. And I'm like, okay, we're optimizing where, hacks. What is stuff. everybody a biologist
0: now? Or like you know, it's a little crazy. I mean, I see it too. I used to be a huge like morning routine guy. I'd
1: promote like, and that's fine. You know,
0: but even that, you know, it's just like, all right, now it's gotten too far. It's just like these species telling
1: me about you know her her blood work, and I'm like, right. hey, listen, just <laughs> just go for a run and easy on the bread. That's all, you know. And even even uh, like eating salad, like yeah that was never a thing like
0: with a group of guys you go out to like lunch and like one guy wears a salad like what are you fucking gay
1: are you kidding me like (laughs) like,
0: yeah literally and like even I mean there are some groups of guys that still would probably make fun of me for getting a salad but now I'm like well you're the idiot who's eating a fucking yeah fried foods and vegetable oils right now 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 I seem woke for saying that it's cool to have
1: high cholesterol (laughs) like that's (laughs) that's cool Yeah. yeah it's that's interesting man I don't know but um all I know and this is our point. We're headed in the right direction, I think. Yeah. Collectively, we always get where we should be going. It's a beautiful you know? way to look at it
0: because you can get so riled up and you see some people who are just like so politically just like, oh, they're obsessed with mm-hmm. and like the, all they want to talk about is these like hot button issues and oh they get so angry about these social issues. But when you look at it with that view of like you know what we're progressing in the right way, right. we're all in we'll, the same we'll boat. We'll figure it out. We're gonna
1: get there. Figure it out. We're gonna get there. Something it might be a little messy along the way. It's definitely gonna be messy. Absolutely. Along the way, but... And that's the thing. Like let's be, let's be real here. With every one of these issues, there's you know you know there's there there's people that they the the, the right will talk about that guy who won all those gold not the guy I forgot it uh, Leah Thomas Leah Thomas the girl excuse me however she wants to be addressed. See uh, we're we're still getting there here, but. Some people think that that person took advantage of the sport, of the game, or whatever at that time. Or, you know, um, there's 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 instances like that, like where someone is fearful that someone's just taking advantage of something. And I'm like, you know, I, I see what you're trying to say. I really do see, but I I really believe that this is necessary. These kinds of scenarios, because how else will the discussion get brought up? How else will it make news headlines and news stories? It's got to be some kind of a controversial thing to get the discussion going and i don't think that that's just going to be the end all be all of this if the left or whatever gets their way that that's, that just women will never be able to compete ever again in sports like that's definitely not the solution that's definitely not the solution everyone's going to agree to in the long term we just gotta stay calm talk about it we'll figure it out maybe that means something like you know when did you transition before puberty or after what kind of drugs did you take? You know, what's your, what's your weight, like class, like what, like all those things could be taken into consideration because things move so quickly now. Information, whatever, data analysis, four D shit like that. Like it. Look, all I'm saying is we'll f- we'll find a way for this person to sit at the table.
0: You know, uh, you know? I was just talking about this this past weekend about um, this kind of this uh, the way it figures itself out and trends go a little too far and then mm. they, they self correct. You see it a bit in music genres. Like Dude, music over, is trash over decades, right? Now. right? So <laughs> I was just talking to someone about this, how, you know, in the eighties it was a lot of like hair metal, glam rock, like pour some sugar on me, these cheesy cheesy, you know, rock bands and like these songs that didn't make any fucking sense. Um, and then nineteen ninety one, Nirvana. That call that's a self correction right that's there. A right. That is like exactly. a, just kicking the gut of that type of genre to this is Grunge. We don't give a shit. Like no, I'll no tell fancy you exactly stuff. Exactly how I feel for yeah. real. Yeah, you and know? like people all of a sudden fucking loved it because they were like, "Thank God, not another pour some sugar on me, fucking." stupid song yeah. now we're getting something real and Raw. like this Honest. connects and you you're ever, seeing oh sorry
1: no no i'm sorry i interrupted you Please. you're seeing
0: it now with uh country music in a lot of ways yeah dude how you know for fucking 10 years and i have friends who still hate country and i get it because yeah. you're getting those like beer can on a truck and, and a blue jeans and a cold and beer clue and you get these stupid fucking songs and yeah like it's going to alienate people from country music now you're seeing Oliver guys, Anthony, Coulter Wall, Coulter Wall, Zach Bryan, like, all these, uh, Tyler Childers, like, all these guys coming up who are just raw, mm-hmm. like, to, talking about their It's insane that Oliver,
1: like... the, Oliver Anthony's album is literally his phone recordings. Yeah. Like...
0: And Zach Bryan, too. Like, yeah, he, yeah. like, I mean, he got famous on Twitter. He posted videos mm-hmm. on Twitter and, like, his, if you listen to his uh, songs on Spotify, like, they're pretty low-budget recordings. Yeah. But, like, it's the raw, he's talking about something real and like yep. he's writing poems. He's not writing about, you know, freaking a, a country girl and Daisy Dukes, sure. you know? And it's like, people are finally like, ah, oh, it's self-corrected. Like, thank, thank God. Mm-hmm. And then I'm sure that genre of Zach Bryan will get played out over the next seven totally. years and people get sick of that and then something else will come up,
1: you know? 100%, man. We'll always figure it out, dude. Yeah. Should we talk about a book? Yeah. would you read this since last time we I read, uh, I don't
0: even know if I want to talk about it because it was so fucking sad. But I read a book called "102 Minutes on 911." Oh
1: yeah, someone real quick. Um, oh man, I was. I think it was at the wedding. Someone saw that post and they went, "You know, someone reading that book?" And I said, "Yeah." They go, "That That's is brutal. a brutal read."
0: It was, it was an important thing to read. So, uh, one of the guys at the fire department, this guy, Scott, he's a huge reader and he, he has a library like this in, in the fire department. Oh, that's awesome. And he was, he found my, uh, TikTok or Instagram he's like, oh, I didn't know you were a huge <laughs> reader. He was like, come here, I got to show you the library. So he brings me up and he gives me that's all these, great. gives me like five books about, you know, war and firefighting and nine eleven and all this stuff. And then I gave him, you know, books in kind and I read that and he's like, and it, cause it was nine eleven, It was, uh, that was what, two, oh, right. two weeks ago. Right. So I was like, you know what, let me read this. It's the 22nd anniversary. Um, so I read that book and it's it's really well written, but it's fucking sad as hell because it's written from the uh, the reporters interviewed survivors. So people who collectively were in the buildings um, and were able to get out through some way. And like he connected all these people who hadn't seen each other and probably, you know, 18 years or whatever, and then they get together and start piecing together the story. He also talks about a lot of the communications failures and, you know, ways that things could have gone better, which is kind of unfortunate, but it is another side of the story, right? You you, you only hear sure. these stories about how everyone's a hero, and you, honestly, most of the stories you hear is about the firefighters and the NYPD being here and the Port Authority. You don't really hear about the office workers and Not the civilians at all. who, they, those were fucking... Heroes as well, and they Absolutely. don't get enough credit. And this book really talks about a lot of that. And you also
1: hear, why is it called one hundred and two minutes? That's
0: how long between the first between tower the, okay. and the and the the north tower being hit and the north tower falling. Do you have any
1: quick minutes. what? Do you have, what's is there a story, a quick one or whatever that just stood out to you? Some person that did something for somebody else, or like what's the. Uh, What are these stories like?
0: It's not so much just like, oh, I have a really crazy story for you. It's just a different point of view where you forget uh, that... You think of it from the perspective of where we were, right? You saw it on TV. Everyone knew what was happening, kind of. The people inside the building had no idea what was happening, right? And you're coming in the wake of the 1993 uh, bombing of the World Trade Center, which is a car bomb. So a lot of the people were... Who were in the World Trade Center on nine eleven were also lit, there. Were also there during nineteen ninety three. Mm-hmm. So they assumed it was just like another bomb like that. So some people who were in the building in nineteen ninety three knew. Okay, let's va- let's evacuate immediately because last time it was a pain in the ass getting down the stairs and the elevators and stuff. So when they heard a bomb or an explosion, they were just like, "Let's get out immediately." Other people, uh, you know, like were in the elevators thought just like the elevators broke. Oh, right so like the perspective change is really different yeah but then you get right. the people in the south tower so north tower's hit first people in the south tower um they see it some people see it some people don't know it's a plane some people think it's an accident so some people are freaking out and just like i'm gonna evacuate immediately other people are just like well we're fine here yeah, yeah. and there was even an announcement in the south tower like no need to evacuate go back to your desks <laughs> and like that oh, th- 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 when you hear those sorts of things yeah. cuz you get it right like well, i, mean, I no, remember seeing yeah. it and being like oh well those the towers aren't going to collapse yeah they'll put the right? fire out so they'll, like the firefighters get up there and people will get down and obviously pl- people died but like the rest will kind of and you just you see the innocence of these people who just like didn't think what the worst possible thing could happen mm. and then how quickly 102 minutes how quickly yeah. that happened right you would have figured And as a firefighter, I know a lot of these building codes are meant to be, you know, fireproof for three to four hours. So a lot of the firefighters went in assuming like, okay, we have have three to four hours here and how quickly it just, and the book also talks about the failures of the building codes and the construction of the towers in 1970 or so. Um, They changed the building codes that they kind of cheated or they didn't have enough stairwells. There's only three stairwells in each tower. And when the planes hit, Two of them got knocked out. Of course. The Empire State Building, which was built for 40 years earlier, has eight stairwells, yeah. stairwells. So you just like you learn about a lot of the ins and outs and uh, yeah, I don't want to
1: tell any particular stories because no, it's of just course too not. sad. But, yeah, 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 of course. You know, I watched this year for the anniversary. I always watch something, right? And like what I watched this year was the CBS, I believe that was the channel broadcast from that morning. They have the original broadcast before and during. So before, there was a guy who wrote a book on Howard Hughes, was just on the news that morning talking about his new book. And it's such an innocent, you know, suits were just a little fluffier back then, yeah. weren't they? And ties were fun and whatever. And in the middle, of, it's so eerie because this is like the true recording of that news broadcast that day, live. And the guy's talking about his book. And there's no like, um, we have to cut to whatever. It's just towers on fire. And it's like... The person goes, we have breaking news. Um, There must have been some kind of an explosion down at the World Trade Center in Manhattan. This happened minutes ago. And, uh, oh, God, Tony Aruga or, or something, some guy from Staten Island is on the phone. And he just called the news station. And he's like, you know, he's like, oh, my God, I was just taking out the trash. The big plane. You should have seen it. Boom, boom. It was huge. Oh, my goodness. All those poor people up there, like this Italian old guy and he's like in lore now 911 lore cuz he was the first like eyewitness who called and you just see as the story goes on like th- i can't believe the newscasters kept their cool because then the second plane hits live on tv yeah, that was wild. and they have to just kind of go yes that happened and we're getting word now that there's a terrorist attack on new york city and we'll we'll be back in a moment with more information we're going to cut to another and I'm like, dude, the world's just – you just watch the world change yeah. over the course of the broadcast. And it's – and, you, you know, as you get older too, man, you just start to realize that those people like you read about in the book, they're just going to work and whatever. And I know that's a cliche thing to say, but, you know, the world just changed that day, man. And it just won't ever be the same. I mean, ever is a big word. But, like – It won't. No, it's true. It's just really – this, I mean, at least in this country, and it, it was, particularly in New York, where we grew yeah. up, like, seeing it,
0: like, it's never going to be the
1: same. No, of course that, not. No. And just watching the live broadcast, because it was so innocent TV. And, and yeah, know, And you're right. Even the fact that they kept that, like, news anchor voice.
0: They kept their... Right. And, like, their, uh, we're, we're waiting to hear word. Mm-hmm. And th- but a couple of times on different broadcasts, you did see uh some people like let out
1: emotion. Which well in the thought... background you can hear people going, oh my God, like yeah, like yeah. really getting upset and the casters are just doing their job and keeping a professional tone and God man, what a day.
0: Yeah, I mean I I, 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 I was in fifth I, I grade. Hesitate, I hesitate to recommend it, but I do always recommend on nine eleven or even whenever, but like reading up on it or watching to just remind yourself of the perspective of that before and after and how how lives just changed so drastically yeah. and yeah i mean that book was was rough but i'm sure there's there, there's i think there's rougher books out there my buddy was telling me about another book called like something one plane in the sky or something like that and the audio book won like a pulitzer oh really because it's the audio recordings from oh that day. Of yeah. everyone. Yeah. And I'm like, why would you do that to yourself? Like, yeah, dude. It's like, it's like the 14, audio recording. It's like, it's like
1: 14 me. hours and he listens to it while he's running. I'm like, dude. Oh my God. You're sick. Oh, not to change the subject, but I'm gonna, uh, the running that I'm doing, I yeah. wanted to ask you a question. I just so, went
0: for, I did tunnels to towers. So speaking of, wow. See great this? segue. Here we go.
1: Hey, uh, we swear we don't plan these things. No. Um, I'm training for a half marathon and it's going so great, dude. Like, I love running now. I got the bug. You get I over that hump. Wait. Once you get dude, over the hump. I'm over yeah. it. I ran four miles the other day. I, dude, I was I literally came down John Dave's Lane without even realizing it because I was running. Uh, I started up at, at uh, King Cullen and I ran up around uh, the park. Anyway, but I hit like a, a very slightly downhill road by that elementary school up uh, over there. And I was just... <laughs> I was just... This is mile three. I'm just... I I don't get tired anymore, my legs don't hurt, I just truly enjoy it. Here's the thing though, I have to do a long run on the weekends, right? My first long run I just did, which was eight miles. Never done eight, not even close in my life. Most I ever did was five and it was half-assed. I ran eight miles, no problem at all, dude. Felt fantastic. And I'm like, I, I go home, all of a sudden I'm like, you know, I got a headache. Like really, it's really creeping up the back of my head. And I'm like, man, I don't, it just really hurts. Whatever. I go about my day. It was my mom's block party that day. So I, I had to get George on the train, my dog, get him on the train. And I'm like, I'm like, yo, my head is on, is, is, is like, I've never felt a feeling like this in my life. Then I start seeing peripheral flashes in my eyes. Uh-huh. I'm like, I have a migraine. I've never had a migraine in my life. Really? Because I'm an asshole and what I did was I drank a Coors Light right after my run because I was like it dilates. Oh no, once I felt the headache because I was like oh that dilates your blood vessels. I'm constricted. It's not, it's not the first thing I would have grabbed. Absolute <laughs> idiot. Like total jerk. And 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 by the time I get to my mom's I'm like nauseous, my head's pounding. I, my sisters are great runners. They go Keith take an Excedrin migraine, pound Gatorade and take a nap. Long story short, I, I I did that, woke up feeling like a million dollars. and But dude, that hour and a half of that headache and the nausea, I was like, I thought I was going to die. I was like, maybe I blew a fucking blood vessel in my head or something. I wanted to ask you, you're someone who's run marathons. Did you ever get headaches after running a, a certain amount of miles or like, did you ever feel like act, like you actually got hit by a fucking <clears throat> bus after a long run? I never got headaches like that before. I probably... Had like mild
0: ones where it was just like a hydration issue. Yeah, but the mar- during the marathon training was where I definitely had some scary body things happen,
1: like with your knees. Mostly
0: my bowels, actually. Oh, <laughs> you were shitting yourself well, and first. Stuff? Well, first it was doing that amount of running I'd never really done in my life, and well, you're
1: running for three hours. I would
0: well, I would run first thing in the morning, kind of on an empty stomach. Maybe I'll have like a little coffee beforehand because I know the danger of that, but just
1: the bouncing of your stomach when you do it for an hour yeah, a half well, two hours It just the, the 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 pavement like your your vision blurs every time your foot hits the floor and i'm like you know i i basically did just get in a fight kind of You're doing a pogo stick yeah for, like <laughs> your head's getting clonked around your brain and shit and my sisters are prone to them too they're like dude every time i run more than like six miles i have a little headache and i think it'll get better over time i'm just like curious like do i gotta take an excedrin migraine every saturday now like you know we'll see I think uh, a big thing for me too
0: is putting salt in my water too. That's okay, really helps a lot with hydration and cramps and stuff. So yeah,
1: dude, I, bodily, could, uh, cardiovascularly, I feel fantastic. Yeah, I'm, you know, my I,
0: I remember my lungs and my heart being no issue at all. Mm-hmm. Like they just get better and better and better. Mm-hmm. After a while though, sleeping, especially for marathon training, when you're doing you know thirteen, fifteen, eighteen milers. I remember sleeping and the the pain in my legs. It wasn't just like, it wasn't like knee pain. It was just like like, bone pain. Yeah. It was like It was like icing's not going to do anything. Massaging's not going to do anything. It's just like a deep bone pain. Never forget
1: the guy who ran this thing died. Yeah.
0: You know, and you're doing it all the time. So my, so my funniest marathon training story was I went, I was living in Long Island City. So I had my 18 mile run. It's my first time ever doing 18 miles. Same like you. I crossed the, uh, crossed 59th street bridge. I uh, do like two laps around Central Park and then I come back over the 59th street bridge. I think I'd paused in Central Park to like take shit really quickly. Um, like quick one and then kept running across the 59th street bridge. It's getting, it's like dusk, like getting dark out. And as soon as I, you know, cross the 59th street bridge, hit my like 18 mile mark. I paused my watch and I'm like, all right, I'll walk the rest of the way home. It's like another mile. I feel my stomach just gurgle. Like, Like it's an emergency. Like Jeff Daniels, Jim, (laughs) and uh, (laughs) Dumb and and Dumber, Dumber. dude. Like that. Yeah. And I think I'd must have eaten maybe like frozen chicken earlier that maybe had gone bad. And, dude, within 10 seconds. You had to go. I had to go. You're going. Like, I'm I'm going. going. I'm going. No matter what. I'm I'm not going to find a McDonald's bathroom like I'm going. So I literally, under the 59th Street Bridge, (laughs) In between two cars, and it's still like kind of light enough out that like people could see me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, luckily, there's not a lot of like traffic there. So I literally take my pants off, just like yeah, you water, shit the water works between yeah. these two cars. And I'm trying to do it as quickly as possible That's because sick. I just need to get out. So then I do that and feel better. Then I go ghost white. And like, yeah, it's I a try weird. to just walk like another 10 steps. And I'm like, fuck, I don't know if I can make it home Mm -hmm. because like one i have this my stomach and two like the cramps and the pain and like i just can't even stand upright and walk so my god let me just get to this bodega and buy a gatorade had like 20 dollars cash um buy a gatorade next door is the diner and i just like sit on the steps and i'm like hopefully it passes Another gurgle comes. I'm like, oh, oh no. Oh no, man. I go and I look like shit because right. I just ran 18 miles. I'm like dirty and Probably sweaty. So I think you're a homeless guy now. And like ghost, ghostly white. I see myself right. in the mirror and I literally don't even want to see myself again. And I'm like, I go into the diner. And I'm like, can I just use your bathroom, please? They're like, yeah. And I just, I don't want to know what happened to the bathroom that mm. day, but. I like locked, the, it was a public bathroom with like a urinal and like two stalls and I just locked the door. I was like, no one oh, else fuck coming everybody. here, please. <laughs> <clears throat> I think I like literally just passed out and like fell asleep for probably 10 minutes in there too. So I get out. I still Jesus not, the coast, the coast is not clear. I still have another half mile walk on a main boulevard to my house. You're going through to it. my apartment. I legitimately, as I walked out of the diner, was like, I'm going to wake up with like, EMT flashlight in my eyes. I'm like, I'm not making it home. I, I knew like, was I had accepted. I cannot believe this. i had accepted. I wasn't making it. Like, you actually I was felt so, that bad. So bad. Like the worst of easily worst I've ever felt in my life. <laughs> and there's just like those, uh, like orange traffic dividers on the sidewalk. And I'm like, I'm just going to like lay down here. And like, hopefully I wake up myself in five minutes or some good citizen wakes me up and finds me help. Because Lauren wasn't home, Lauren was like on a trip, so I couldn't oh, even call. God. Couldn't even call my wife, and like no one I knew was. Now near. you're kind of like
1: panicking a little too.
0: You're like, what's so, going and Lauren's on? Lauren's also a PA, so I'm like, she might know what to do. I forget for whatever reason she was tied up, where I couldn't access her. And uh, I literally just did the thing where I'm like, all right, just make it to the next sidewalk crack, and I did that for a painful, probably it's a half mile walk, and it took me 45 minutes. Oh to get my, to my god, man, get to my door. And I just like sit in my bathtub, hot shower, as hot as I can get out. And now I start shivering because I don't know why. I don't know. This must have been food poisoning. You shocked your nervous system. I think it was food poisoning. Oh, yeah. So then I put on like two sweatshirts, sweatpants, like socks, beanie, gloves. And I'm just in my bed just shivering. And I don't know what happened. It was like the worst I've ever felt in my life. Terrible. That sucks. So go out there and sign up for the New York City Marathon, kids. Right. <laughs> no,
1: run marathons. Oh, yeah, that was terrible. Fuck that. No. Dude, I, I'm never... My brother-in-law, run. he ran them, too. He runs marathons a, a lot. Guy's psychotic, honestly. But he has stories like that, too, about shitting himself and, like, collapse or whatever. Like, you know, running for four hours every week. I mean, eventually, you're going to hit a wall. Like, yeah. you know.
0: I'd, I used to start... I After a while, I started carrying... Just like um, Dunkin' Donuts napkins with me because I was like, I don't know what I'm gonna have to Stick shit on pants. The side yeah, of it. and
1: I did it a few times, dude. I will probably never run a marathon. The half marathon seems like a enough of like where you can get the bug for running. You get in great cardiovascular shape and you don't kill yourself, literally. Yeah, you know. But yeah, anyway. So I guess it is normal to almost die after running a long distance. It's
0: not not meant to run that far.
1: Man. Yeah. Yeah, I I I said when
0: I did it, like I'm never running again. I'm never doing. Yeah, but a marathon you, again. you
1: you said you were getting back into running.
0: Yeah, I just did the tunnels to towers, the five. But how, that's, that's a five k. Okay, three well, three point two miles. So that was you know, amazing. I did that once a long time ago. It, it was, was fun. It's so yeah.
1: crowded though. Like you're just trying
0: to. You can't really run how you want to run because mm. you're just avoiding people the whole time. Right. But it's still cool, obviously.
1: Yeah. Well, anyway, what are you reading? um nothing right now to be honest with you (laughs) i can't even like pretend listen to anything well that's what it is is that i've just been on a music kick and i'm really into music, and i'm really into um like i've just been like you know i I do a lot of the reading when i just have free time and i'm running a lot so i'm just kind of like listening to books on tape and like whatever just but the books i'm listening to are just like you know biographical like you know, I'm finishing up Napoleon with that, and like uh. I listen to a podcast and some music. So uh, it's reading's taking a back seat as I spend my hours running instead. So nice, but I'm still learning yeah. always listening to podcasts, reading, like listening while I run. But, um, yeah, I don't really have much to add as far <laughs> as the yeah, no, I, I know we're on a book podcast, no, but <laughs> I,
0: I, I can't get enough of just like always trying to like consume something interesting and. What's like incentivized me is I try to, I don't always do it every week, but I try to do like a, my newsletter every week where it's like, here's what I'm reading, here's what I'm interested in, here's what I'm listening to. So that kind of incentivizes me to like constantly engage in something interesting, whether yeah. it's a documentary or a podcast. Well, this podcast. is for
1: me, it's, it's cyclical. I, I always go through a lull, b- a lull before I transition back into novels. Like if, if you remember, we first started the show, I was reading novels. Yeah. Then I went historical. And now I'm getting bored of history books because I'm like, you know, I've, I've read enough history for my appetite. And now I need to find another novel genre that I'm interested in reading about or, or, or in. Like, you know, it, f- it used to be like these these like old school, like classic novels. Then I got into these new age sci-fi novels. And, you know, so I don't know what my genre is going to be next. But I got to find a book or hear about a book that like i can tell i'm going towards fiction again i always have a little break and then i go dive back into it but it's never the same thing i was reading like a month ago or something yeah. genre wise yeah you know i like that yeah i need to read more novels man. well f- and you know we've had this discussion but the novel thing to me it's all about like i think that you have to go into reading it in our like you know the way we are and our personalities you it's not like some people don't like to read fiction books cuz it's like it's not even real like what is it what am i going to gain from this i think what fiction gives you is like what um to bring it back to plato what allegory in a cave the allegory of a of the cave brings you it brings you these like moral metaphorical examples that you can apply to your own life and like it really helps when a story does that because you've, you've imagined it in your head. And we talked about this, like if you have something in your head, that's like you're constantly feeding into it and you're, you're believing in it in a way it will affect you in reality eventually. And every fiction book I've read arguably has had more of an impact on my life than a biography or learning about Genghis Khan or world war two or, you know, it, it, I think that for me personally, those books, impact me creatively and they impact me uh, I like to think of things metaphysically a lot like you know uh, or what's the word metaphorically not metaphysically so I'm, I'm excited to get back into that I just don't know what's gonna yeah. pull me back in you know well, I think I think fiction teaches you empathy mm-hmm. because when you read like I I'm someone who
0: reads a ton of nonfiction, and it's just very you know factual and just like do this and prescriptive and whatever and just it's information, right? So you're kind of just, you become almost like a hyper rational person who only, like, I think very logically and here I do this and this is my structure and my discipline and whatever. Whereas a novel, it teaches you through a story to empathize with characters and the situations that they're in and their loved ones and their foes. Mm -hmm. And it teaches you that through a story and you create this imaginary world in your head, like you said, where you're like, oh, I can get, I can imagine walking a mile in their shoes. Right? Yeah, I can yeah. see this through their eyes and like, wow, that's tragic or wow, that's heroic or you start to understand more of these human emotions. And I think I, as someone who's very logical and rational,
1: kind of need that need the novel escapes to get that yeah, more I agree. empathy. That it's an escape from, yeah. you know. Yeah. And I always find it interesting and fascinating that, you know, all that's really happening if you were a fly on the wall is I'm just staring at a page. With like symbols on it, and then I all of a sudden get a feeling. It's almost
0: like Isn't a, that like magic? It's almost like hallucinogenic yeah, in a yeah, way, yeah. right?
1: Like are all imagine if someone
0: said, Stare at this wall and you will have a story happen in your head with a world of characters. That's what I'm saying. And, that, and like that's literally what you're doing. You're yeah. staring at like a wall with just like a, a few characters on
1: it. Sure. And I'll I get so like deep into it that I'll dream about the book a lot. Yeah. Like I'll dream that I'm in the scenario. So, I don't know what's going to pull me back in. I just haven't heard about like a novel that I've been interested in. Like the last one was Project Hail Mary that came out recently. Oh, that, yeah, that movie's coming out soon. But um yeah, I mean, like, something will pull me back in. I hope it's Chuck Palahniuk, you know, one of my favorite guys. Yeah, I guys. need to... Which, where should I start with Chuck Palahniuk? Um, start? I think it's... I think he's one of those guys that you could... Like, his last book, The Invention of Sound, was, like, so entertaining, man. Yeah. Like, it's because it's it's just so entertaining. Like, every... It's so Chuck. It's so outlandish and ridiculous. But also, his, his, his themes and concepts and the... Uh, the, the, the plots are so brilliant that, and they only get better. Like he's had some, he's, he's had some softballs, like Lullaby wasn't that good, but, um, in my opinion, but if you, I I would tell you to start with the invention. If you Sam. had to,
0: uh, if like someone, I can lend it to you. If someone have... like just started following us and was like, Keith, what are like three like nonfiction books that you would, nonfiction or fiction, sorry, fiction what are three fiction books that I should check out.
1: The Master and Margarita, yeah. By, a lot um, of
0: people have actually messaged me, yep, and it's like saying you inspired them to like check that out. It's so. a
1: really incredible. I, I I I know somebody who read that as a child, and they were like, they read it again because of that, and they were like, "Man, you weren't kidding. It really is profound." Um, the Master and Margarita is a book I'd highly recommend by Mikhail Bulgakov. I would hi- I would highly recommend the invention of sound by Chuck Palahniuk because it it's modern and it makes a lot of sense if if you know because that those older books can feel a little distant sometimes but the invention of sound and another one if I had to give you sci-fi I do Hyperion by Dan Simmons it's it's the only book to this day that ever scared me <laughs> like I got, I was scared Wait, so what were the three master the Master and Margarita Mikhail Bulgakov um, the Invention of Sound by Chuck Palahniuk and Hyperion by Dan Simmons.
0: I haven't read any of those. So Hyperion those is out.
1: the guy who, he's one of those guys that invented his own language for the book, like one of those people. Damn. But listen, I was reading it outside in a shed once and I got through a chapter and I couldn't leave the shed. Jeez. I was actually scared. It was, I mean, you know, writers can do that when they know what they're doing and if the plot's good enough, you know? Yeah. Terrifying book, but very good sci-fi. So that's a sci-fi, um, uh, kind of a classic philosophical fiction book, and just like a fun book mm. from Chuck Palahniuk.
0: That's good. It's a good list.
1: Yeah. What about you for nonfiction? Or you don't have any yet? I, I'm sorry, for fiction.
0: For fiction, I probably couldn't give you a good list, honestly. I'm not the best guy for that. But for nonfiction, I could probably give you a list. Give me three
1: um, for, the, for the listeners.
0: I would say one that's like philosophical and you'll learn a lot about yourself is the untethered soul by Michael Singer. Um, hard to describe, but I just cannot recommend it. That's like, for me, that was like years of therapy in a book. Yeah. Um, and I think everyone should read it because you'll just learn a lot about yourself. The second one is biography. Um, that is massive and will intimidate people, but the power broker by Robert Caro about the life of Robert Moses, Mm -hmm. especially if you're from New York, like even if you only read, 150 you know or a, a pages or a chapter like that book just is one of the coolest and i've never met a person who's read that that didn't wasn't obsessive about it and doesn't just like when i mentioned the power broker or when i was carrying it with me and other people saw me they're like oh my god yeah so that is just like one of the best like yeah. biography books and then i figure i got to give one about like a historical event or something interesting i'd probably say it's in terms of the ones that I've recommended the most, I would say, uh, killers of the flower moon. Yeah. Coming out soon. David grand. Right. Yeah. Um, or endurance by Alfred yeah. Lansing, which that's is the story toughie, of man. Ernest
1: Shackleton. Depends on the person, I guess. I'd probably but go both great. I'd probably go endurance
0: just cause that's, that's like more, uh, more life stories within it. Um, but yeah, those, those three for sure.
1: I'm going to ask you a quick question to wrap up the show. It's just a fun question. It's not like profound really, but I'm just curious. Can you think of the most, the, 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 uh, the strangest coincidence that's ever happened to you? Whoa. Like the most, like that blew your mind. Like it was such an unbelievable happenstance of coincidence where you were just like, this can't be. There's no way the world's that small. One of those things.
0: I mean, probably meeting my wife, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. That's a pretty big coincidence. Yeah. Okay. Well, just can you give the quick... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, just the quick version, because like... You I'll know, give it, a quick... You've
0: heard it, and you know it. So uh, the quick version was basically we met at like a mutual friend's... Uh, a party in the city and I, you know, thought she was cute and started talking to her. And then she was like, Hey, do I recognize you? Like, did we study abroad together in Denmark? And I was like, so weird weird that her saying, do
1: I recognize you? Like imagining Lauren saying that to you.
0: And uh, (laughs) yeah, so it turned out we studied abroad together for five months in Copenhagen, Denmark in the same class. We took a a class called uh, fairy tales and storytelling is so a fairy tale story which also makes it kind of coincidence but uh oh yeah sure um but yeah we had sat like 20 feet from each other in that class never met we went to rival high schools she was a cheerleader uh, for the rival high school I was a football player so we had the same we probably went to the same high school parties same friends everything um, never met so basically lived and also some of my best friends she went to elementary school with she like dated in like eighth grade one of yeah, my yeah, good yeah. friends Tom uh, oh really, went to, went Tom? To elementary school with oh, that's so um, crazy. So yeah, like it that there's more coincidences, but that's the long story short. Basically, I,
1: I'm bringing it up because I had one happen to me recently with a, a Yours friend. Of, is probably way better than that. A, I don't know. Um, my friend left me a voice memo the other day, and that's unusual. Most guys just call, right? But he was like, "Look, dude, I can't call you right now, but I got to tell you what just happened." And he goes, "Keith, I just got a new job, okay?" And you know, I, I just it's it's a brand new building and it's old and I don't know anybody here and whatever and uh I'm getting familiar with some of these people and they're you know asking me you know who do you know in the union blah blah blah. and I mentioned your name and I think I said Keith Sullivan like 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 John Sullivan's son and he was like yeah yeah he talked about his dad all the time he goes oh man you're not going to believe this and he goes come over here and he goes he brings him to his locker right because when in my business when you when you get when you replace somebody who's left you usually get their old locker so he goes to this guy's locker and he goes look at that picture and in the guy's locker is a picture of the guy he's replacing with my dad from like 30 years ago or something he goes the guy you're replacing was insanely tight with John Sullivan Isn't that so fucking, he goes, Keith, I'm looking at a picture of your dad in my locker right now Wow. with this guy that I'm replacing. That's crazy. How fucking small is the world? That is wild. I mean, you never know like who you're talking to, bro. That's cool. That's a pretty good coincidence, right? (laughs) Yeah. Like I don't, of all, there's thousands of people in this union, you know, and, and it's just so crazy that someone I know is replacing someone that really knew my dad very well yeah interesting huh
0: you know a, a, a quick one but it just reminded me of like one, some of the craziest coincidences i've heard my boss his name was michael kennedy and he was flying to like arizona or something a few years ago and he gets to his seat on it was like you know let's say he's 36a and someone's sitting in his seat and he's like oh i'm sorry like my seat says 36a um and he's like Oh, my seat says 36A too. Here's my ticket. And they show the tickets side by side. They bring the flight attendant over, and she's like, "Oh yeah, it's both well, 36A. That's really bizarre. We'll figure it out." Mm. And then all of a sudden they realize, "Oh, our names are both Michael, Michael Kennedy, Kennedy. <laughs> and same like middle like Michael A Kennedy, right? They're like, oh, that's that's wild. Like, what what a funny coincidence, right? And uh, but and then the lady is like, "Well, no that the the flight attendant is like, "Well, no, that's a pretty common occurrence actually. Yeah. So like that shouldn't have
1: Affected the affected seat. the issue yeah.
0: like so like we get plenty of you know John Smiths or whatever so that that's that's a issue like um she goes when, when is your birthday and he's like no. February second nineteen eighty two and the other guy's like my birthday is February second nineteen sixty two like what the fuck this is where you wake up usually <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know like, like <laughs> holy shit I'm like no way and uh, my, my boss Mike was like obviously he was like laughing like us i would be crying he said the other guy was like so disappointingly just like unimpressed because he was just like pissed he was just like he's also
1: 20 years older, grump yeah but he was like this is fucking
0: wild like we should take a picture together like this is nuts (laughs) that is really imagine you met keith sullivan born on october 11th like i would be i'd call everybody i know (laughs) i'd be like are you kidding me some of the same name initial like everything you know what Birthday? I, you know what's that's... actually and his his dad's name? This is true. His dad's name is John F. Kennedy.
1: Oh, that's ridiculous.
0: And he was born like in 1965. So yeah. like the year he was killed, probably. <laughs> or maybe not. I mean, oh, no.
1: he, he actually might have been older, but I don't know. Yeah. Um That's a funny coincidence. That's a good one. You know, I heard I saw a video once just to wrap it up that apparently coincidences are a phenomenon that has been studied. There's data on the coincidences. I always love
0: this. It's like, how the hell do you study?
1: Well, yeah. Like, well, this is the thing. What they do is they, at least what they did in this study is they asked a bunch of people this question and they, they answered it and, and, you know, they, they, they cross referenced how likely or unlikely this is to happen to you. Right. And the more you look into coincidences, apparently it's, it's actually not that crazy that this happened to you for a various amount yeah. of reasons if you but, go
0: if you do deep enough research right like you live in new york you the right. other
1: guy lived in long island like exactly you probably Ex- circle and exactly like, and 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 there's only so many places people can be from and whatever right, whatever right. and the, the 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 takeaway from that is a truly um unusual day is when nothing unusual happens because if you go into if you look up like like crazy fame like there are ones that have a wikipedia pages because they were so out, outstanding that this happened. And, you know, I can't think of any examples right now, but like the, it's, what, there's something else like this in a phenomenological sense that like it's actually unusual when this happens or whatever, but like it's usually like coincidences oddly happen a lot. Which is strange. Yeah. Because they're supposed to be this, can you believe this even happened? It's so rare. Like, but they actually happen all the time, which is strange, right? That's, a, that's just a really good, like, question to ask. Yeah, it's a great in, question. In, like, a room
0: of people or something. It's a really cool. Yeah, because you'll get fascinating somebody. stories. Yeah. Totally, totally. Because then, also, as you start saying them, I start remembering. And mm-hmm. like, started, oh, I can think of a million now. Yeah, you can start thinking of a bunch. That's interesting.
1: Real quick, we have to talk about this. What do you think about the the Mexican aliens that were uncovered and they did a, 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 a CAT scan on them? I'm, I'm going to
0: bore you. I did no oh, okay. articles. I, I read nothing about well, it. Well, listen, I,
1: I just all I'm saying is I just can't believe that this is... Like, what the fuck are they it t- seems talking like too about? Like, well, that's what I mean. Like, why are they all of a sudden just yeah. like, oh, yeah, 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 sure. They're right here. Yeah, it seems this, this too can't be strange right. to me. Like, can't be real. I'm like, but why oh, would you... the Mexican government play a prank on America or the whole world for that matter? Like, can you, all I'm saying is, can you imagine if it's real and those things are real? But also at the same time, it's like, it's like, do not look up. It's like, what would happen if there really was an asteroid? It's like nothing. Yeah. People would just argue about it and then it would hit us and then exactly. that'd be the end of it. That's, yeah, that's really true. So all we're going to do about these two potentially actual alien beings is argue about it, and then nothing's going to happen. Yeah. And don't they look, like, way too much... They look much... like those paper mache things you would make in fucking art class in, yeah. like, fifth grade. They look like what a person who drew an alien would, like, literally make. But then people would argue, well, because people have seen them.
0: What else do you expect an alien to look all right. like? Yeah, maybe that's why I didn't research it Dude, at it all. Looks, r- like, it looks yeah, ridiculous. No, no.
1: It looks like a doll, for Christ's sake. Maybe that I'm...
0: It's it's almost like the, it's almost like the double bluff though, where you're like, I don't believe it, but maybe it's so stupid that it actually exactly. is true,
1: right? You know? And that's that's right. Like it's so, it's it's like they can't so not believable. this can't be the effort they put into this, yeah. You know, so maybe it's just we were expecting this Independence Day scenario. And there's
0: another reason that you can't trust the media because you're like, are they fucking with me or is this really I know.
1: stranger than fiction? Like I don't know. I don't know, man. But dude, the the results of the of the examination of the bodies was they're they're real they have skeletons and they've been preserved for a very long time which is why they look so dusty and shitty and whatever like a mummy you know and you know man i don't believe in it or whatever but like what if they're telling the fucking truth that's why you gotta be open-minded yeah be open-minded maybe that'll be the episode title open-minded
0: we always find a a way to end on a good quote like that yeah we do we do
1: okay all right well let's wrap it up and uh hopefully this worked out with the new camera angle probably not probably shouldn't even brought it up but (laughs) thanks everybody thank you everybody we'll see you next time